0: Hello and welcome to the Three Little Pigs podcast, except not so much anymore. Um, We've decided to rebrand Three Little Pigs because nobody knows what the fuck Three Little Pigs (laughs) means. So we are just going to rename our podcast, especially since we have like three listeners. So it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, We are now the Like Iron podcast. So get used to it. (laughs) We're trying to do it regularly. All right, so... Welcome to the new and improved and hopefully somewhat regular Like Iron podcast. My name's Shannon. I'm Jackson. I'm Wes. And today we are going to talk all things training efficiency and training on a time crunch and basically just uh, basically training around your life when life kind of gets in the way because we can't all be professional powerlifters like myself. But before we get to that, before we get to that topic... We are going to answer a question from a listener, one of our few. His name is Marcus Payne. Shout out to Marcus. He works at NASA. His question is, with how much misinformation, bro science, et cetera, is going around, how do you deal with casually hearing people spout lifting nonsense? Do you try to tiptoe around mansplaining and teach people something or just let it be? Shannon has had a decade of correcting Dan and I. Dan is one of my best friends. Uh regarding what we learn on bodybuilding.com forums, but it's cool since we're friends. I may say a bunch of swear words at them, but I also take the advice. So, basically the question is, when we see idiocy in a gym or people spout nonsense about fitness that we kind of know about, do we give them advice? Do we correct them?
1: I think at least my philosophy on this is if someone asks... Then you can give your opinion, but if no one asks, I don't want to be the guy who just goes around all self-righteous trying to tell people what they're doing wrong and correcting everything. We own a gym, and I think when we, at least when I first started, I thought, you know, that may be a good idea, but just over time realized that no one really cares unless they ask, and so if someone asks, then I'll get into an in-depth conversation with them. If not, and they're just minding their own business, I'll just let them be. Yeah,
2: I think um they don't care at all about what you have to think and from a like gym owner's standpoint and a trainer standpoint that's a terrible way to initiate a sale especially um the first interaction you have is unsolicited <laughs> unsolicited training information from someone that they have no idea you're, who you are, your pedigree, your you know, you don't even know what they're training for. So who really cares? You know, I'll, if they ask for it, yes, if they're paying me a hundred percent, but if I just see someone training, even at my gym and it looks wrong, I'm not going to correct it unless they directly ask me.
0: Yeah. I think we're all in agreement here. I only give advice if I'm asked. I definitely went through a stage, you know, like I think it was in like high school, or maybe my freshman, not even my freshman year of college, probably just high school. Where I thought, you know, I was the bee's knees and I knew everything. And I definitely gave people advice. And, like, if I heard something stupid, I would correct them. But nobody likes that asshole. Don't be that asshole. Um, and generally, if you, if, if you are that asshole, you don't know as much as you think you know. So, yeah, I only give advice if asked. Uh, nobody likes, especially if you see a girl lifting, don't try to go over and give them advice. Like, you just look like a douche. As far as my friends... Sometimes I'll call them <laughs> stupid if they're talking stupid.
2: That's different though. If in, in a conversation, if somebody brings up something, like if we're already talking, yeah. and they say I'm doing this because X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z is obviously wrong, then I'll come in and kind of. Well,
0: yeah. If you have a rapport with somebody, then sometimes you can bring up topics like that. But if, you're, if it's just a stranger doing their thing, a you don't have you, a like you guys said, you, they you have no context of what they're doing or why they're doing it. And you're seeing a snapshot of what they're doing not like the whole thing so there's no no important judging and you're never going to convince them on your way especially if you come off as just like an all-knowing asshole which you're not
1: yeah i think you're gonna get some pushback from that too because in your own mind you might be thinking that you're helping someone but you're just doing a disservice because now you come off like shannon said as an asshole and then in the future you know when you do try to give advice this person might not want to listen at all and so you know, might not be you, know, you might not be doing yourself any, any favors in the long run. Yeah.
0: And oftentimes it's the opposite. If you try to correct them, they're just going to like dig in deeper. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to this topic. So basically we're going to talk about how to train when you don't have as much time as you would like to train. And we're all very familiar with this now as two of us are in grad school and one of us just had a baby and, um, also has a job and also goes to school. So, If anything's going to affect how much you train, it's going to be those three things together, especially the baby. So I guess we'll just start by talking about, like, strategies and how we go about it. Um, I'm sure we've all made mistakes in, like, how we've programmed. We've tried to, like, uh, do it by trial and error. I think Jackson had a lot of good things to say, so we'll let him talk first.
2: Yeah, so when my son Cal was born, um, it was actually the first – Four weeks were some of the most productive training that I had. Um, and what I did was I didn't have a set training plan at all. I had essentially a checklist with volume um, that I was trying to hit for certain uh, certain RPEs uh, throughout the week. So, for example, I'd say, okay, you have to bench twice, you have to squat twice, you have to deadlift, deadlift once, and you have to do a deadlift variation once. Accessory, you pick one accessory for the day, um, and it was normally like a row variation, um, or chin ups or something like that. But I only had 45 minutes to train and I was training, you know, somewhere between two to six times a week, it really completely depended. So, you know, I could have done everything on that checklist in one day, or I could have done one thing on the checklist that day. Um, and as long as I hit my total volume throughout the week, I considered it a successful training plan. Um, And then after that four weeks, I tried to get back on more of a scheduled training cycle. And things have kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. Because it's hard if I, you know, okay, I look at my training plan and I'm like, okay, I've got four exercises planned for the day. Here's my volume that I'm going to hit. Here's the RP I'm going to hit. I'm going to try to work up to this top set. What happens is that I end up going over the allotted time. And then I feel like I failed that training session or like that training session wasn't as um, valuable as it could be, um, just considering that I didn't hit everything that I had prescribed for myself. Um, so that was, you know, kind of my thought process. I've gone back to the checklist style of training now, uh, that I'm really busy and, uh, I auto rate, auto regulate a lot of it with, uh, the RPE that I'm using, um, for that day.
1: Yeah. I think one strategy that I had to in- implement this um, year starting grad school was actually lowered my total training frequency, but like left my volume the same because I had three days where I could have bigger bouts of training uh, and I just didn't have, you know, the time or to have a uh, higher frequency. So what I did was co- combined those four sessions that I was originally doing into three sessions and those three sessions were just longer um, but I could make it work on certain days. And then what I also did on those days is I set, similar to what Jackson said, a time cap, but the time cap was actually in between rest from each movement. And so, you know, usually I, if I'm not on a time crunch, I won't necessarily set a specific time uh, in between each set. But this this go-around this semester, I set, like, two to three minutes, and then um, we just go right into the next set, I still used RPE um, like I usually do, um, but just lower frequency and had kind of time limits in between sets. And then if I had to, I would, you know, superset, I would try to superset, you know, opposing um, movements or muscle groups or something just to get some uh, additional work in and a given amount of time. So those kind of the strategies I had to implement this semester, and it worked out fairly well. It just allowed me to get my training in.
0: Yeah, this is why it's interesting because there's a lot of, like, personalized ways you can do it to try to save time. Like, I think you need to look at the big picture. Like, look at, all right, where is your time? What days do you have time? Like, look at your schedule. And for somebody like Wes, if you have three days where you have a good chunk of time that you can commit to training, then maybe a three-day program. I know other people uh, who have struggled with time, and they actually increase the frequency so they can get it done Maybe like instead of going four days a week, they go five, but they just do like one or two exercises yeah. and they get it done in 45 minutes. So it just comes down to your schedule and what you can fit in. Um, for me, I kind of implemented at first, well, at first I tried to like, well, see if I could just do it the good old fashioned way of just sticking with it. <laughs> and it, I fell off pretty fast. A, because I had bad habits because I just like to be in the gym. So I'd need to be on my phone. I'd be talking to people. I would just be resting longer than I needed to. So I think that is one thing you can do is just like break those habits and try to create new habits. Like you don't need to rest 10 minutes between sets of five at RP eight or seven. You can cut that down to two or one, two, three minutes. You don't need a lot of time. It might be hard at first, but you can adapt to it. So that's one thing i found is um, that you don't need as much rest as you think you need. And if you analyze the time you're spending in the gym, not all that's productive so try to make that all the time that you're in the gym productive um the one thing i did after i figured out that three hours four days a week wasn't going to work was uh kind of implement like a flex training program where kind of like jackson was saying i'd have all right here's my required days or required lifts stuff i need to hit to be successful and then I had the basically optional stuff and I could also just move the kind of the scheduling around because my first block of school it was very uh, inconsistent when I had time like sometimes I'd have class 8 to 5 and I need to study other days I'd have class from 8 to noon or 8 to 3 and have a block of time so they just kind of moved around so you have to be flexible with your scheduling.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, the. One interesting kind of realization that I had throughout, especially that style of training, is how important, um, you know, the bigger picture is, as far as training goes, compared to a single session. You know, I used to, and still do, like I really appreciate having a fantastic day at the gym, you know, where I did everything I was supposed to, everything felt great, I hit my RPE exactly, you know, I estimated my you know uh, intensity for that day. But one thing as far as like a mindset is knowing that, okay, as long as I can get the same amount of volume in that week, then it's a successful training week, you know, and you do that. Even if like, a, if it's two weeks or if it's, or two days or five days of training and seeing it, okay, both this week was a success because I did what I needed to. Um, for me, that was huge. Uh, especially, From my mental health standpoint, because like you said, I love being in the gym, always have loved it. So when you have a two day training week, you know, you can look at that and say, man, that was a really crappy training week, but not really if I did everything I was supposed to.
1: Yeah, I think big picture just comes back to compliance. There's not a single way um, or the right way in which you should train Um, when you're on a time crunch. There's multiple ways you can manipulate your training, but just find something that you can stick to. Um, that still allows you to train and, again, just something you can actually comply with because so, sometimes stuff looks really good on paper but your life is just really hectic and crazy and you can't comply with most of those days, then it's probably not a fantastic strategy for that period of time in your life. So trying to figure out a way to continue to train um, but in a way that you can stick to.
0: Mm-hmm. I think uh, – so step one, you need to do – um like a needs analysis, like what are your goals? If it's power for us, it's all, it's all strength training and powerlifting. So it's pretty simple for us. We need to do the competition lifts or something close to it. And then other things are kind of like extra credit. So some of those other things like, you know, bicep curls and like other stuff that may not be as important um, for our goals as they are for other people's may go by the wayside. So see what's important to you and then program the most important things for that. With the time you have. One thing I think is super useful for when you're in a time crunch is auto regulated training. And not everybody does that. So, using RPE to kind of gauge your sessions allows you to take advantage of the time you do have and take advantage of like the good days you have and also pull back when life gets in the way because it's not just a time thing, too. When you're super busy or you got a kid or you got school, it's not just time, it's also stress. You know, you got a final coming up. Uh, you didn't get any sleep last night because your baby was crying or because you're up all night studying, whatever it is, when when that life stress gets too high, you have to be able to pull back in your training and then kind of like wa- like ride the, the ebbs and flows of it. And I think auto-regulated training allows you to do that really well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And then um, another thing that I kind of auto-regulate as well is um, – Going back to that checklist, if I said I have to squat twice a week, then I'll have one competition squat and then I'll choose um, a variation, but that variation, depending on my time for the next session. So if, if I can competition squat twice, maybe I'll do that. But like yesterday I had zero time. And so I did a beltless, sleeveless safety bar squat with a minute and a half break in between, you know? And so that completely changes what I would have considered in my programming because I was like, all right, I have 30 minutes, you know? And I knew that taking my belt on and off, getting my sleeves on and, you know, getting the rack completely set the way it needed to be would take longer than just getting underneath the safety bar and going. Um, so there's a bunch of different things that you can auto regulate just for me based on time, you know, RPE is fantastic. Um, and exercise selection can be dependent on what you're training for. can be a
0: huge, um, variable that you can play with as well I also think that uh, people tend to spend more useless time in the gym than needed like I said and not just in the gym too like if you have four hours of free time during the day the rest is filled up by school uh, by kids by whatever by work but part of that four hours you spend browsing Facebook or just laying down like you also have to organize some of your, the rest of that free time or some of your life around training. If you want to optimize training or not optimize, but if you want to do well in training, you have to dedicate some time to it. And then also just find out what you're doing. If you spend 30 minutes to warm up in the gym, but are complaining about time, then maybe that should, should be the first thing to be abbreviated.
1: Yeah. I think one thing that I found useful and for anyone who's a student out there, you might try it and see if it works. Um, it was during those cap rest periods that I had over three minutes. Um, I have to do a lot of reading for articles so I'd read like a paragraph of an article or something like that so I'd have an article and I'd probably get through two articles throughout one of my training sessions so it's still useful um, and it's still a little bit of downtime but it kind of helps like if you really have a lot to do and you're just like "Oh, I can't train today because I have to read or study you know potentially try using those rest periods rather than talking to other individuals even though the gym can be a fun social environment if you have to You know study or read try to use those set rest periods as you know time to be productive as well uh may or may not work but I found it useful just because I have to do a lot of reading so Mm -hmm.
2: that's actually really funny um I did something similar uh but I would make sure that I had no music on in the gym because I found sitting there just in silence waiting for your next set it makes that three minutes seem extremely long (laughs) compared to like sitting there, you know, talking to friends, listening to music. But when I'm the only one at the gym at, you know, either six in the morning or nine o'clock at night, no music. It just kind of drives you a little bit crazy and you want to get under the bar and just get it done. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's like Wes said, that's a great way to do it, you know, is reading or, um, I have a client who we make them, you know, walk across the gym and touch the wall, walk back to squat rack walk back and touch the wall and then they do their next set again. Just because like they, they get so like caught up in conversation that if they don't, if I don't give them something to do, then they kind of go crazy a little bit or we'll lose track of time because they're really good at holding a conversation. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. They finish their set, walk down, touch the wall, come back, walk down again, touch the wall, come back. So there's a bunch of different strategies that you can use to reduce the amount of time that you're wasting in the gym. Mm Hmm.
0: For sure, yeah. I would read articles or listen to podcasts or something. Yeah. I often something school related, but sometimes I just. Not, sometimes I also think it's important not to do that. Yeah, I agree. Because, if, especially for people like us who training is kind of a big part of our life, it's it's important to get out of that headspace for a while and just focus on the task at hand. And I think that's sometimes the healthiest thing to do. And. It, if you can't find 45 minutes or an hour and a half it's yeah. at some point during the week, then like something, something's not right. So you should always find time for you as well. So
1: Depending, you know, if you are a competitive powerlifter, Olympic lifter or whatever, maybe not Olympic lifter, but you know, power lifter, bodybuilder, whatever, um, depending on the block that you're into, if you structure your training in blocks, one thing that i found useful in higher volume blocks was to implement things like myo reps or drop sets. It's just another thing for time just cuz at that point in time, you know, effort um in lifting in somewhat close proximity to failure is useful. And so i have like one activation set, take it, you know, basically to failure and then rest a few breaths and then do it again until you get to a bottom range of whatever you say is acceptable until you move on to the next exercise. And so stuff like that's useful too. Again, it just depends on the block that might not be useful if, you're, you know, in a strength block or something like that, but um, can be. So it's just another, another strategy. Yeah, just find
0: little things to save time, like like yeah, yeah. super sets, mile reps, like uh, density training, like just yeah. putting some time on the clock to do something and just yeah. go for it, um, or try to do a uh, certain amount of reps and as yeah. many as or as least amount of sets as possible in a certain given yeah. period of time. Just be creative. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's just your training. So yeah anything else guys one thing
2: with that style of training that has been actually really beneficial is my conditioning level has gone up quite a bit and i don't have to implement conditioning you know cuz when the majority of it is you know if i give myself that t- hour ticking clock and i have to move from exercise to exercise and then i'm all of my accessory stuff i do myo reps just because i can get done with an accessory movement in no time um and for m- me at this moment i'm not doing any it's more just a general block so it's been really useful to do that. But if you train that way, it's amazing what it will do for your conditioning. Whereas before you sit around for five minutes yeah. and for, like you said, a triple at RPE eight, you don't need
0: that much time. Yeah. That's interesting too. Cause like so maybe it's not, I mean, maybe it's more, uh, healthy to just reframe instead of th- saying I have no time or whatever. It's like, okay, I have limited time, but maybe I can train something different for a little while. Maybe my training focus can change. Like, maybe this amount of time that you don't have is for a semester or whatever. Uh-huh. Just focus on something different. At the end of the day, it's not going to affect your training that much in the long run. Yeah, like view it as a positive.
1: Yeah, sometimes reframing your perspective is useful. Um, I also think even in times like this, that sometimes it is frustrating to have to alter your training for the sake of time. Sometimes there's actually a, you know, psychological benefit of just novelty. Like, oh, this is new. I haven't done this in a while. And so sometimes that is, that is nice, at least for a period of time to try something different. Um, but yeah, I would say for a lot of people who really love lifting, and that's kind of how they identify as a lifter, it can be, you know, a, a huge psychological tool to have to uh, really alter your training. But I would, I wouldn't use it, like Shan said, as a negative, try to find some sort of, a positive perspective out of it and then uh, just keep training. Yeah. Uh
0: I think that covers this topic pretty well. Uh if you have any questions or would like some advice on trying to save your time in the gym, don't hesitate to shoot us or either of us a message or a comment on YouTube, uh on Instagram wherever else we post this podcast and then just like at the beginning of this podcast we'll try to get to your questions on the next podcast all right this has been a like iron production (laughs) like iron podcast no longer tlp we'll miss the name but maybe we'll get a few more (laughs) listeners (laughs) yeah peace